Genesis 2, verse number 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. Hebrews chapter 10 verse number 9 Then said he Lo, I come to do thy will, O God He taketh away the first that he may establish the second by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all And every priest standing daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God. That's not talking about Jesus Jr. It's not talking about some false trinity speaking in spiritual terminology he did in action in Hebrews as he did in word in Genesis he rested he sat down from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool I'm glad I'm in a victorious church. We're told that he took away the first, that he may establish the second, and when he did, he sat down. I want to preach to you today the second time God sat down. Second time God sat down. Would you lift your hands and ask the Holy Ghost to do what only the Holy Ghost can do? God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for being a God that's in this building. Thank you for being a God of no impossibilities. We trust in you, Jesus. We depend on you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you. You may be seated. We find here in second chapter of Genesis, God in his restful state. He is resting from 
all the work that he made. I still believe he made it. Not a big bang theory. He made it. Not some evolution. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The Bible says this earth he created was without form. It was void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. It had no shape. It had no light. It had no substance. It was in chaos. It was in disorder. It was upside down. Not unlike 2020. But the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And what was once avoided, shapeless, dark world, when the Spirit of God moved, God said, let there be light, and there was light. The only thing that brought shape to a shapeless earth the only thing that brought light to a dark world was when the Spirit of God moved. I do not believe in the day that we live now, revival is no longer optional. We have got to have the Spirit of God moving. It's the only thing that worked then. It's the only thing that's going to work now. We need the Spirit of God to move. Do you believe me? We need Holy Ghost revival to move. We need the power of God to move. God said, let there be light, and there was light. It's not my message, but it's worthy to note. God said, when there was no one to talk to, God said. When there was no one to communicate with, God said. Because from the very beginning, words were not meant to communicate. They were meant to create. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then we are given a statement that is seen throughout that first chapter of Genesis when we are told that God looked at that light and said it is good. Everything that God made he would testify of his own creation it is good. He made the mountains and the hills and declared it is good. He made the oceans and the seas and testified it is good. He made the trees and the flowers and declared it is good. Everything he made, he declared that it was good. And when everything was done and everything was made, God viewed his landscape of creation and saw that there was one missing element. 
He made all the beauty. He made all the wonderful things, but there was no one to enjoy it. So God picked up a handful of dirt and breathed on that dirt, and man became a living soul. And as soon as man was created, God stepped back and God told man, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. You need to understand from the very creation in God's creative design, he put in his own creation the spirit of increase. He said, be fruitful. He said, multiply and replenish because God is a God of increase and God does not make something without intending it to have the spirit of increase in it he's a God of increase Joseph may have walked in Egypt with just 70 but when he walked out it was two to three million of a nation because God is a God of increase Hallelujah. It didn't start with stop with just Jesus. It went to 12 disciples because God is a God of increase. It didn't stop with 12. It went to 70 elders because God is a God of increase. It didn't stop at 70. So on the day of Pentecost, 120 were filled with the Holy Ghost because God is a God of increase. And before the sun set on that day, 3,000 souls were added to the church because God is a God of of increase. Come on, keep on walking. 5,000 believed because God is a God of increase. A whole Gentile nation is converted because God is a God of increase. But it doesn't stop there. Therefore, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off because God is a God of increase. Whatever God made, whatever God designed, he plans for it to increase. This church was bought and was purchased by the blood of Jesus. And he said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. This ain't your church. This ain't my church. This is God's church. This is what God made. And God doesn't make anything without putting his spirit of increase in it. I'm telling you, God wants you to have revival. God wants you to multiply. God wants you to grow. That's his plan. That's his intent. He saw it wasn't good for man to be alone, so he took out a rib, made woman, and then he said, this is now bone of your bone-ish. I'll be one. You go through all of Genesis 1, you won't find one mention of a serpent. Go through all those creations and that he did, you won't find one mention of a serpent. But as soon as Adam and Eve became one, the chapter ends 
And the next chapter starts with these words. Now the serpent. The serpent came when there was oneness. There was no devil when there was division. There was no devil when there was chaos. There was no devil when there was disorder. But as soon as there was oneness and togetherness, now the serpent. Come on, it's one thing to come to church. It's another thing to become the church. Come on, you can come to church and the devil may not mess with you. But when you become the church, when you become one with the church, when, when you become unified with the, now the serpent. You got to understand that, that Adam and Eve had everything they needed. They lacked nothing. They lived in paradise. They had all the food they would ever want. They had all the water they would ever want. They, everything they, they would ever crave, it, it was right there at their disposal. God made it that way. God, God put man into that atmosphere because that's what God intended for man. Hear me, when God made man, he said, I'm going to give you dominion over the fish of the sea the fowl of the air and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth everything that walks and moves you got dominion over it God hear me today God did not make man for failure God did not design man for defeat he designed man to have dominion he made man to be victorious he made man to be powerful he did not make man to be walked on. He made man to do the walking. Come on, if you don't get that, you won't get where I'm going. God did not design you to drop the ball. He did not design you to fail. He did not design you to sin. He did not make you to lose out. He made you to be dominion and be victorious and have authority. But because of this, there was a serpent that did not like God's plan and the scheme he was organizing. So the serpent thought, I'm going to deceive mankind. I'm going to get man to start looking at the one tree they cannot eat from and get their eyes off of all the other trees they can eat from. And that's still the devil's choice of deception is to get you to see what you cannot do and stop seeing everything that you can do. And so that deception came into Eve's heart and, and, and Adam followed in suit. And, and now there is a division. And now God comes looking for Adam in the cool of the day. But Adam and Eve is over hiding out because of, because of the sin they committed and because of, because of falling into that deception. And so there was a God who looked at his greatest creation because the mountain 
mountains may have been good and the oceans may have been good and the light may have been good but when God made man he said it is very good he looks at his greatest creation and he sees the division that the adversary has caused he sees the problem that, that now the serpent has caused because while everything was, was wonderful in that garden of paradise while Adam and Eve had all the water and all the food and all the blessings the one thing that, that first creation did not have the one thing that Adam did not have the one thing that Eve did not have is a redemptive plan there was no second chances there was no grace there was no mercy that's why God said if you eat of that tree you die you don't get another chance you don't get a comeback you do it you die he said that because God did not make man for failure he made man to have power But sin came, and the division came, and that great go fix came. But God looked at his creation, and God said within himself, I refuse to take a back seat. I refuse to, to, I refuse to stay down and let hell run over my greatest creation. And so God, in his mercy, and God, in his grace, began working on a redemptive plan. He got us, come on, he put his hard hat back on. He put his tool belt back on. He went back to work on his creation because God wants man to come back in the order he designed them to be in the beginning. So when there was a lamb slain in that garden, it was God working on a plan. When Noah sacrificed one of every clean fowl, every beast, every creeping thing, it was God working on a plan. When Abraham offered a ram, a she-goat, a heifer, a turtle dove, a pigeon, and God passed through as a burning lamb and a smoking furnace, he was working on a plan when Israel left Egypt and they slew a lamb for every house it was God working on a plan when every day every morning every evening they offered a sacrifice of a lamb at the door of the tabernacle and the penalty of sin was pushed ahead for one year it was God working on a plan David sacrificed every six paces and the glory of God came to Jerusalem on the back of the ark. It was God working on a plan. When they slew 1,000 sheep and 1,000 bullocks and 1,000 rams, the day Solomon took the throne, it was God in heaven working on a plan. When Israel was without a true God, a teaching priest or a law, and Asa restored the covenant and killed 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep, it was God working on a plan. When Hezekiah restored religion back to Judah and 10,206 gallons of blood was shed, 
said while the Levites played the music God was working on a plan when Solomon entreated God at Gibeon he offered 10,835 gallons of blood it was God working on a plan on the day of celebration after Solomon constructed the tabernacle 120,000 sheep were killed 22,000 oxen were slain and the glory came so thick that the priest could not stand to minister in it all of it was God working on a plan and that work began when in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God here it is and the word became flesh God said I'm going to get off my throne I'm going to wrap myself in flesh I'm going to go back to work on some grace and some mercy and some redemption I'm going to go back to work on my creation So through Matthew, he was working on the plan. Through Mark, he was working on the plan. Through John, he was working on the plan. Through Luke, he was working on the plan. Come on, through all the miracles, he was working on the plan. When blooded eyes were being opened and deaf ears were being unstopped, when he was working on the water and calming the raging sea, he was working on a plan. Come on, when he was healing the lepers, and healing Peter's mother-in-law and healing blind Bartimaeus God was working on a plan through all that Old Testament all the sacrifices all the killings all the law all the blood that was shed Hebrews said it can never take away sins but this man but this man this man that's why we are told Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is to say not of this building neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once I've come today to tell somebody because God went back to work on you. You got some grace now. You got some mercy now. You got some hope now. You got second chances now. You got some blood now. You got some love now. Some of you ain't getting it yet. There's, there's a message you and I can preach that Adam and Eve can never preach. There's a sermon we can talk about that they never knew. Come on, there's a testimony we have that they never was able to have. Come on, if they fail, they die. If they drop the ball, they die. If they mess up, they die. That's their story. But here's our story. If a man be born again of the water and the spirit he can enter the kingdom of heaven their story is I mess up I die but our story is if we confess our sins God is faithful and is just to forgive us and to heal us 
Adam and Eve's story says, I'm a failure. I'm a mistake. I dropped the ball. I failed. But our story goes like this. And such were some of you. But now you're washed. And now you're justified. And now you're sanctified. Come on, by the name of Jesus Christ, the one thing we have, come on, they may have had water for their body, but we got water for our soul that cleanses and washes and renews. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God I hope the blood isn't old news to you I hope the blood isn't a forgotten story to tell. I hope the blood isn't forgotten in your minds. It's an old question, but it's got the same answer. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. His blood saves. His blood washes. His blood sanctifies. His blood justifies. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you done. I don't care how far you're going. There's some blood for you now. There's some grace for you now. There's some mercy for you now. when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me my soul cries out hallelujah not thank God for blessing me but thank God for saving me thank God for saving me thank God for saving me thank God I can sing a song that Adam cannot sing So when Hebrews said that when he finished his work which he made, when Hebrews said he sat down, that one action of him sitting down was a message preached in silence to the whole world. Anything you need whether it be blessing, whether it be forgiveness, whatever you need, it's available to you now. Which is why we give altar calls. Because people say, I can just sit in my pew and get a touch from God. You don't understand. You still make God come to you. But God sat down. The next time he gets back up is when the church is going away. 
In the meantime, we don't make God come to us. That's why he said, come boldly before the throne of grace. He gave us the invitation. Because if you need healing, you can have it now. If you need restoration, you can have it now. If you need salvation, it's available now. If you need delivered, you can have it now. If you need blessed, it's available now. He sat down to give us the story. If any man thirst, let him come and drink. Oh, baby, we got water Adam and Eve never had. Oh, God have mercy. We got, we got favor and blessings in paradise they never knew. See, their paradise was made of, of mountains and, and, and growing flowers and, and nice, nice water. But those of us who were born again, our paradise looks more like streets paved with gold. Walls of jasper. Gates of pearls. Oh, God. Our paradise looks more like a place where there is no light, for the Lamb is the light, and there cometh no night. Our paradise looks more like it's a place of no more crying, and no more dying, and no more COVID, and no more sickness, and no more suffering. Come on, we got that testimony. We can tell that story because God got back up and he worked on his favorite creation. And when it was done, he sat down. So he's bleeding from his hands. He's bleeding from his feet. Take a look at the head. You'll see a crown of thorns. If your stomach can take it, take a look at his back. And you'll see, you'll see him, his back whipped and flesh gone from his body. Look at the side and you'll see a big gaping hole where blood and water is gushing out from. Take a look at his right and his left where one, one thief is accepting him and one thief is denying him. But take a look at the arms of Jesus. He's reaching for both. And then, after all the mocking, after all the beating, after all the hitting and the spitting, after all the evilness that they gave to your God, your Savior, before he closes his eyes to breathe his last breath, he utters three words. It is finished. He said, you may be crucifying me now, but the whole reason you are 
is because it's finished. Creation is now complete. Mankind now has everything they need. And the one thing Adam and Eve did not have, redemption. It is finished. Amazing, we call him the king of kings. And that Bible says where the word of a king is, there is power. And the Bible says that on that cross above the head of Jesus was a, was a, a, a subscription that, 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 that said, King of the Jews. But you go study it out. And you'll find in all of the life of Jesus, it was the wise men who called him a king. And it was the letters on the cross that identified him as a king. See, what the enemy did not know is when they put king of the Jews, that there was an Old Testament scripture that said where the word of a king is. You see, they thought they were killing Jesus. All they were doing was putting power into his words. For where the word of a king is, there is power. And his word says to come before him. His word says that we can find grace to help in time of need. His word says, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Come on, ask Jonah. Ask Simon Peter what kind of God he is. They'll both tell you he's a God of second chances. He's a God that won't give up on you. He's a God that won't walk away from you. He's a God that won't wash his hands of you. He's a God that will keep coming back time after time after time after time after time. That's why we Pentecostals are 110% correct when we preach the necessity of the Holy Ghost. Come on, because Acts 1 says, you shall receive Power. Another word for power is dominion. Authority. The Holy Ghost is the only thing that brings man back to its rightful place that God made them to be in the beginning. Dominion. Power. Authority. You get power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You can't fight without power. You won't last without power. You won't survive without power. The Holy Ghost takes you from being defeated to being victorious. The Holy Ghost has enough power to take you from being the one that's trampled on to the one that can sing the song, I command you, Satan, in the name of the Lord.
to pick up your weapons and flee. For God has given me authority to walk right over you. Second time God sat down was a revelation to you. You don't have to be bound by drugs. You don't have to be bound by alcohol. You don't have to be bound by nicotine. You don't have to be bound by your failures and your past. Come on, stop talking about where you used to be and start testifying where you're going. Change your story. He sat down. He sat down and now the invitation is extended to you and I to come to where he is. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Musicians, please come. I don't know who you are, where you are, what your story is, what your past is. What, what tale you can tell, I know not. But I know a God who's not just the author, but the finisher of our faith. Take the pen out of your hand and put it back in the author's hand. He can finish the story. Don't close the book. Just turn the page. He can finish the story. Come on, we need to pray right now. Everybody in this middle, we need to pray right now. Come on, stop writing your story and put it back in God's hands. He sat down to give you a second chance that's why he took away the first to establish the second and the second is a place of mercy a place of grace a place of forgiveness I'm sorry, Christ Memorial Temple, but you ain't got an evangelist on your hands that preaches a judgmental God. You got one that preaches a grace God, a forgiving God, a long-suffering God. <laughs> Hebrew boys were thrown in the fire. The king got to wondering about their fate, and so he looked in and he said, Did not we cast in three? Were they not bound? Watch what he said. But I see four. They're loosed. Hear it. And the fourth looks like the Son of God. Here's my question. How do you even know what the Son of God looks like? He don't show up to Matthew chapter 1. Tell you how he knew. Because he heard the stories about this God. 
He heard the testimonies about this God. And he said to himself, there's only one man I've ever heard about that would willingly decide to get into somebody else's mess. usually when things get worse and things get hard friends leave you family may even leave you but this is one God he won't leave you in your mess he'll come to you in your mess he'll, he'll show up in your furnace why? because he's a God of mercy he's a God of grace he's a God of that loves you that much. Come on, stand with me. Stand with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Stand with me. Everyone praying right now. Come on, you know who I'm talking to. Holy Ghost is tugging at you. God is dealing with you. On that that's a revelation he loves you that's more proof as if you needed any he wants you so who's going to accept the invitation by your own God to come boldly You're not ignoring, you're, you're not going to ignore Atkins' invitation. You're going to ignore God's invitation. Come on, who will be the first? Who will be the first to accept it? Come on, God, I'm tired of fighting by myself. I'm tired of trying to deal with this on my own. I need some, I need some grace to help me. I need some, I need some divine power to go with me. I need... Honey, that God who will never leave me nor forsake me. I... Come on, right now someone needs to move. Come on, you tried everything else. Try God. You've tried every other avenue. Walk down his street for a moment. He can put your life back together. He can put your home back together. He can put your family back together. Yes, God can. Just got to come to him. It's that easy. Just got to come to him.